Merry Christmas, Valley family. Thank you so much for joining us on our online campus as this season is upon us. And we're kicking off a brand new series uh, called A Thrill of Hope because that's why Jesus came was to give you and to give me hope. At the perfect time, God sent his son for you and for me. And even though you know, it is the most wonderful time of the year, the reality is that uh, sometimes it's also the hardest time of the year for many, uh, especially if uh, maybe they've had a broken relationship or someone that they love have, have passed away and, and gone on to, to be with the Lord, or, or maybe in the middle of it, it's just about with depression uh, maybe still looking for that job that, that really will provide for their family what they need. And, and so we just thought as we came into this Christmas season, we're planning on it as a staff, uh, let's just talk about hope. Let's focus on hope. And this message series is going to lead us right into uh, literally our Christmas services. On December the 23rd and 24th, we invite you. You can reserve seats right now. We already have had just in the last week, first week, several hundred people reserved seats. We're expecting about 1,200 or, or so people between our four services. They're going to be identical, all four services, two on the 23rd, two on the 24th, full Valley Kids Children's Ministry. But we are asking you just to help us out and go ahead and reserve a seat and use this invitation. Invite your friends and coworkers and neighbors as well uh, because there's something about this time of the year people are more open to the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and probably any other time during the year. And we believe there are going to be many that are going to place their faith in Christ for the first time. Well, as we kick off this series uh, about hope, the thrill of hope, uh, it just reminds me that that phrase is in that great Christmas carol, Christmas hymn, O Holy Night, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And I think that kind of describes, I don't know, it sure seems like to me it describes our world today. The weary world rejoices. We need some rejoicing and, and that hope, that thrill of hope is only found in Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to be talking about. I want to jump right in. This is going to be kind of our framework, our key verse for this series. Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, it says, the people who lived in darkness have seen a bright light. A light has risen for those who live in a land overshadowed by death. Jesus is the light of the world, and the light came when he took on humanity, clothed himself in humanity, and came, on in the, came to you and to me in the form of a baby. And so what is so hopeful about Christmas? Why, why does this hymn talk about, O Holy Night, this Christmas carol, you know, the thrill of hope. Well, I think there's three reasons for Christmas hope, and that's what I want to talk about today. And hopefully, if you're struggling right now to find hope, I'm hopeful that you're going to find hope, and that hope is not in a sermon, it's not in me, it's in Jesus Christ. He is the one who brings you and I hope. So three reasons for Christmas hope. The first is, real simple, God loves you. God loves you. John 3.16 tells us that, probably the most quoted verse in all the Bible. People that don't even believe the Bible know this verse. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. It is really what uh, 
in theology we call the incarnation. The incarnation. That, that again, Jesus clothed himself in humanity. He was fully God. And, and he took on full humanity at the same time and came even as a child. It's so powerful when you think about that the creator of everything that you and I see, he, he holds all things together by the power of his word, and, and he became so dependent that he couldn't even change his own diaper. He was dependent upon his parents to change his poopy diapers. Uh, and that's how he humbled himself for you and for me. That's the incarnation. That's the phrase that's used in theology. And, and look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, really this whole idea uh, of humanity that he became like us. In, in Genesis 1, 26, talks about Adam and Eve when God created Adam and Eve and, and that humanity, we bear the image of God himself. Luke chapter 1 verse 26 says, then God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. Now I love this. This is right in Genesis first chapter and you, we get to eavesdrop on a conversation happening between the Trinity. Notice he said, he's not talking about himself. Let me make man in my image. Let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, coexistent, co-equal, co-eternal, conversation in the Trinity, between the Trinity. Let us make man in our image and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So Jesus was with God before creation itself. He's part of this God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. And then the whole idea of creation is that God made everything that we see for you and I to enjoy. And the reality is the mess that we're in as humanity is that we open the door to evil in creation because of our own sin and through our own sin. And Jesus came to bring hope of salvation, that the future, as we talked about in our last series, unshakable future, the future is bright because we have placed our faith, for everyone who's placed their faith in Jesus Christ, the best is yet to come. And everything in this life, God's given you and I to enjoy. That's what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, 17. It says, as for the rich in the present age, charge them. In other words, talking to a pastor here, Timothy, this is what to encourage, challenge people with. Charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, what are we supposed to set our hopes on? But on God. That's where we find hope. The thrill of hope is found in God, who richly provides you and I with everything to enjoy. God is not some kind of cosmic killjoy. That's not what the Bible talks about. That's not the teachings of Scripture. But, but that when we place our hope in Him, He's given everything to us to enjoy. And that's what the incarnation is all about. The reason that everything in the universe exists is because God loved it. He loves you. And he loves his creation. That's why it exists. God loves you. In, in Psalm 145, verse 9, I love what the Bible says. It says, the Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Think about that for just a minute. Even people that deny God's existence... Even people that deny Jesus Christ was the Son of God, God's still good to them. He's still good to them. 
He made them. He created them. He loved them. He wants them to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, but he still pours out goodness. That's his mercy for those that even reject and deny and even blaspheme his name. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Boy, that is worth, <laughs> that, that is worth being hopeful. That's what Christmas hope is found. God, he loves you. Did you know that uh, even uh, that God was thinking of you even before he created the world? In James chapter 1, verse 18, the Bible says that God decided to give us life through the word of truth so we might be the most important of all things that he made. That's you. Before he created even the world, he thought about you. You're the most important thing that he's ever made. Humanity that bears that image of God made in his image and likeness. And when we sinned, our, our forefathers and foremother, Adam and Eve in the garden, plunged all of humanity into sin. But there's still some of that image that's still embedded in humanity. And God decided to give us life through the word of truth so we might be the most important. Humanity is the most important of all things that are made. There, there's more value in human life than in any other kind of life that God created that's the clear teachings of scripture and his love is unconditional as i like to tell uh, my three girls susie does to say i love you and there's nothing you can do about it that that's how god's view is i love you and there's nothing that you and i can ever do to diminish his love we can reject his love but it does not diminish his love for us we, we can spurn his love we can turn from his love we can run from his love but that doesn't stop him from loving us in Romans chapter 5, it actually tells us when, when he began to love us, how he showed his love. It says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You realize what that means? That, that means that you, you can't earn God's love. Because when you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. We, we don't deserve God's love. It, it's who he is. It's the essence of who he is. He loves you. And there's nothing you can do to change that. There's nothing you can do to diminish that, or there's nothing I can do to diminish that either. God loves you, and he created you to experience life the way he intended it to be. That's what Ephesians 3.19 tells us. Ephesians 3.19, Christ's love is greater than anyone can ever know, but I pray that you'll be able to know that love, and then you can be filled with the fullness of God. That's how you and I experience life the way God intended for it to be. It doesn't mean that it's perfect. This world's not a perfect place. It doesn't mean that, that we're ever going to have a perfect life or we're going to be perfect people. But, but when we open our heart, when you open your heart to God's love, then you experience the fullness of God, the fullness of what life was really created to be. And that's why you can have hope. That's why you can have hope and I can have hope in the middle of uncertainty, regardless of what the news says or, or what the latest, you know, uh, 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 on COVID is or, or anything like that. We can have hope because we, we've opened our hearts and we're filled with the fullness of God. He is the essence of hope. I mean, when you really think about it, maybe you ask, you know, how much does... Uh, how much does, does God really love me? Well, I'd encourage you just to think about Jesus on the cross. 
You ask how much God loves you and he says this much. This much. I love you so much that I sent my son who was without sin and he laid his life down as a sacrifice for you. I I love you so much that his arms were open wide as he sacrificed himself in your place and paid the price for your personal sins and shortcomings. That's how much God loves you. He loves you this much. That's why we can have hope. Because Jesus didn't stay dead, but he rose again three days later. And now, the Bible says, is seated at the right hand of our Father, and he'll come again. He'll come again just like we talked about last week. That's how much God loves you. God loves you, but that's not the only reason for Christmas hope. The second reason for Christmas hope is God is with you. First, God loves you. Second, God is with you. Do you realize that? You're never alone. God is with you. That's the hope of Christmas. Sometimes you may feel like God uh, is with you, and sometimes you might feel like he's not with you. Uh, Maybe you, you don't really feel his presence with you right now, but the reality is he's with you. Because here's the thing, oftentimes feelings will lead us astray. But we have the promise of his word. He's with us. So many times, instead of believing God's word that he's with us, uh, we, we allow fear to come in and push out the reality uh, of really the fact, let me put it that way, that God is with us right now. You, you know, an old buddy of mine, actually his name was Buddy, uh, Buddy Dows that I coached high school football with, uh, one day we were talking about fear and how fear can just derail God's plan in our life. It throws up obstacles to keep us from fulfilling our destiny. It lies to us all the time. And, and then he dropped this like, statement on me and and I'll I'll never forget it he said you know what fear is he said like an acronym you know what fear is fear stands for false evidence appearing real false evidence appearing real so many times we we believe our fears false evidence that appears to be real hey this is real and we forget that God's presence is with he's with you he's with me we focus on fear instead of focusing on our father our Heavenly Father. And, and the hope of Christmas is God is with you. One of the names that was given to Jesus was Emmanuel. And, and the angel actually said that to Mary. Look at it in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. The angel says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. That word Emmanuel literally means God is with us. God came near. God is with you, and God is with me. No wonder, uh, you know, when you think about this, when, when the angel said this, uh, actually it wasn't to, I, think, I believe this was to the shepherds, uh, no, no wonder, isn't it, when the angels appeared to the shepherds that they had to tell them, when they were about to tell them the good news, the first thing they said was, be not afraid. Why? Because if you're afraid, false evidence appearing real, you will not recognize the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Focus on what the Father is saying, our Heavenly Father is saying, and you won't be afraid. Jesus came near. He is with you. 
That's why the angels told the shepherds, don't be afraid. See, you lose fear when God is near. You and I lose fear when God is near. When we focus on him, we're not afraid anymore. But when we lose sight of that and we focus instead on false evidence appearing real, it pushes our perspective away from God and instead we're looking at things. I heard it said this way, a uh, famous person, I forgot who, is just off the top of my head, uh, on, near their deathbed, they put it this way. Uh, I've lived a good life. Thank God only half of my fears came true. Think about that. Only half of our fears come true because it's false evidence appearing real. Most of the things we're afraid of, they never happen. It never ends up you know, uh, going that way but it steals our focus from our Heavenly Father, and it certainly, fear, steals our hope. God's presence overpowers panic. Let me say that again. God's presence overpowers panic. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, that's God said, I'll, Jesus said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Jesus said that, who was God. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Our, our life, if we focus on the content, all getting all the stuff of life, we think that's going to give us hope, that's going to give us security, that, that's false, that's a mirage. But the scripture tells us, Jesus, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. That's that's Christmas hope right there. God loves you, and God is with you. I love the promise that, that God gave through uh, the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 43, verse 2, it says, When you go through the deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Why is that? Because he said he'd be with us. What's interesting about that verse is it doesn't promise that life is going to be wonderful, everything perfect. But the promise is that God's presence is going to be with you. And God's presence is going to be with me. Listen, uh, I don't know what you're going through this Christmas season. I don't know what challenges, what heartache, what disappointment that you're dealing with. But I do know this, you're not alone. You're not alone. He loves you and he's with you. And that leads us to the third reason for Christmas hope. And that is God is for you. God's not against you. God loves you. God is with you. And God is for you. There's reason for us to have Christmas hope. That phrase, God is for you, is used so frequently from, throughout the Bible, that God is for you. And, and so many people think that God is against us, or God is upset, or God is angry with us. But the whole idea is this. That, that's just a lie. The idea of Scripture is, no, God is for you. That's, that's a lie from the enemy. God is for you. God is for me. Let's look at some of these verses where it says, just so clear, that God is for you. Matthew chapter 20, verse 32. Jesus stopped and called them, what do you want me to do for you, he asked. This is Jesus asking people, what can I do for you? It's not because he was against them, it's because he was for them. 
In other words, how can I help? I'm for you. How can I help you in the situation that you're in right now? In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, when, when Paul talks about communion, the Lord's Supper, uh, the body and, and the, the cup, the bread and the cup, uh, that he literally is, is quoting Jesus, and it says, and he gave thanks for it, and he said, he broke it into pieces, that's the bread, and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. God's not against you, God's for you. Jesus said, what can I do for you? This is my body broken for you. God loves you, God is with you, and God is for you, and he's for me. Romans 8, 31, again, one of these favorite verses of mine in the Bible. What then shall we say in response to these things, all the things that are talked about uh, before this point in Romans? If God is for us, who can be against us? And it's a rhetorical question because the reality is God is for us. God is for you. God is for me. So what do we have to fear? God's for you. He's not against you. No one, uh, God, God, like I said, no one that, that believes that God's out to get him is ever going to come close to God and recognize his presence. That's why it's so important to remember he loves you He's with you, and God is for you. The Bible says God's not out to get you. In fact, this is what the Bible says, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. God is for you. God is for me, and we have reason to have hope at Christmas. No matter what that that challenges or that circumstance that we're facing. God, he loves you. God is with you. And God is for you. No one wants the best for you more than God does. No one wants better. No one knows better what's best for you. No one knows better what will really truly make you feel fulfilled than God does. And he loves you. He's with you. And he's for you. God doesn't want you to be afraid of him. He wants you to run to him, not from him. Do you know that phrase, do not be afraid? It appears 365 times in the Bible. 365 times. What, what, what else does that kind of remind you of, 365? Well, that's how many days are in a year. Think about that for just a minute. One time for every day of the year, 365 times in the Bible, God says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You know, uh, so many times, I, I think especially in church, we like to ask people, you know, that maybe are new, do you believe in God? And I think that's an important question. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in God? But do you know what I think is kind of the, the other side of that coin that is missed so many times? That we, we need to remind ourselves and tell others as well. Do you believe in God? Because he believes in you. He believes in you. I, I, I think sometimes, I, I know for a fact, God believes in me more than I believe in myself. That's what a good father. That's the heart of a good father, and he is the greatest father. So, so I think it's good to ask people, do you believe in God? But remind ourselves as well, he believes in you. That's why he sent his son Jesus, 
That's why we celebrate. That's why we have hope. Because he believes in you. He believes in me. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Whoever does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. He loves you. He's with you. And God also believes in you. He's for you. So let me put it this way, and this is kind of like the, the thought I want to leave you with really today. God is not mad at you. He's mad about you. That's why we can have hope. That's why we have hope at Christmas, the thrill of hope. God is not mad at you. God is mad about you. That's why he sent Jesus. If there's any other way, Jesus would not have had to come and die and rise from the dead. God's not mad. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. John 3, 17, right after John 3, 16, where we started, kind of bookending here. John 3, 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. When you study the, the life of Jesus, you see that uh, when you make a mistake or you sin, Jesus doesn't rub it in. He rubs it out. He came to erase all of your sins, all your mistakes, all of your failures and regrets. That's why the first statement that the angels made to the shepherds was, do not be afraid. Jesus came to save us, not to scare us. It's the reason why we can celebrate and truly have Christmas hope, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this Christmas season, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would just breathe afresh and new over the story that we've heard so many times throughout our lifetime. And God, that, that those, Lord, that are hopeless would find hope during these holidays, knowing that you love them, that you're with them, and Lord, that we wouldn't lose sight at all of the fact that you're for us. You're not mad at us. You're mad about us. God, thank you for sending your son. What a precious gift, the greatest gift that's ever been given. And because of Jesus Christ, we have real hope we can experience the thrill of hope. And right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity right where you are viewing this online campus. If you've never prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, the Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so right now I just want to lead you in a prayer. You can open up your heart Repeat these words after me right where you are and receive the greatest gift ever given, Jesus Christ, as your Savior today. Just repeat this prayer after me right now, saying, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin today. 
Jesus, thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. And Jesus, I ask you to lead me, guide me, direct me by your Holy Spirit from this day forward, and I will follow you. Amen. Amen.